Good morning, church. This is today's Bible reading. We are reading from John chapter 20, verses 1 to 9. On Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran to Simon Peter and to Jesus' favorite disciple and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. They ran side by side until the other disciple ran faster than Peter and got there first. He bent over and saw the strips of linen cloth lying inside the tomb, but he did not go in. When Simon Peter got there, he went into the tomb and saw the strips of cloth. He saw. He also saw the piece of cloth that had been used to cover Jesus' face. It was rolled up in a place by itself. The disciple who got there first then went into the tomb, and when he saw it, he believed. At that time, Peter and the other disciple did not know that the scriptures would say that Jesus would rise to life again. Cameron family, thank you for doing our scripture reading. So good. And kids, look what I just found in my pocket here. Another cross. How about that? It's all about Jesus. I'd like to ask you all to pray with me as we prepare our hearts for the Easter message. Let's pray. Lord, it's about you, but it's also about us. It's about what you have done for us, and we give you our praise, we give you our thanks. We love you, Lord Jesus. We are so humbled by the fact that our God would die for us, that you would pay the penalty for our sins. We're awed that you conquered death, defeated it. You took our sins and removed them as far as the east is from the west. And you offer to us eternal life, and we give you thanks, Lord Jesus. We ask, Lord, as we look into your word, as I speak, that the Holy Spirit would speak through me to every single heart, not only that's listening to this message, but that is listening to the Easter message all over the world today. Open hearts. May there be a revival in the world. May hundreds and thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ in this pandemic. May the year 2020 be the year of the worldwide revival. Speak to us now, we pray. Fill me with your spirit as I share. In the name of Jesus, the risen Lord, we pray. Amen. Years ago, in a small Midwestern town in America, there was a terrible fire in an apartment complex. Fortunately, everyone got out except for one family that was up on the third floor, and a crowd started to gather, and they're watching in horror. The flames engulf the building, and they see a little boy come to the window of the third floor, and he looks out, and he's screaming for help. He's crying for help, but in that community, there was no hook and ladder truck, and the crowd was bewildered on what to do, how to rescue this little boy when suddenly there was a man in the crowd with overalls who ran up to the building and he grabbed the metal drain pipe 
and painstakingly, hand over hand, he climbed up to the third floor where the little boy was at the window, and he called out to the little boy, and he said, get on my back, grab my neck. And the little boy got on the man's back and and grabbed his neck, holding on for dear life. And the man then, with the little boy on his back, climbed back down to the ground. They were rushed to the hospital where the little boy was discovered to only have minor burns and smoke inhalation. And the man, however, had second-degree burns on his hands from holding the hot metal drain pipe as he climbed. The man's hands were treated and bandaged with large bandages. Some days later, the same little boy found himself in a courtroom. There was a judge and a few people. And the judge was trying to decide who this little boy would live with because his parents had unfortunately perished in the fire. There was a wealthy banker and his wife who wanted to adopt the little boy. There was a young couple who had been trying to have their own children and couldn't who wanted to adopt the little boy. And there was a school teacher who just loved children and would love to have this child in her home. And so the judge asked the little boy if he had a preference, and he just hung his head and shook it. No preference. Well, suddenly, a man came hurriedly into the courtroom. He was dressed in overalls, and his hands had large bandages on them. The little boy saw him and beamed with a smile and ran to the man and jumped into his arms and clung to his neck. And he said, this is the man I want to adopt me. He's the one who rescued me. I can tell by his hands. You and I also have a rescuer who came to our rescue to save us, and we can recognize him by his scarred hands. But a lot of people don't believe in the story of the rescuer of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you think about it, it's a rather unbelievable story. It's difficult to believe. I mean, even his closest friends, the people that followed him for three years, that heard him speak, that saw him perform hundreds of miracles, the very people that he told face to face that he was going to be crucified, he died, be buried, and rise again three days later. Those very people had trouble believing the Easter story because it is an unbelievable story. Look with me at John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. John, one of Jesus' best friends, writes this in chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, the Mary that he had cast out the demons from, came early to the tomb while it was still dark. And she saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And that other disciple is the writer, John himself. And she said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Mary's first impression when she saw the empty tomb on Easter was not, praise the Lord, he's risen from the dead. Christos 
Christos Anesti. That's not what she said. She thought someone had stolen his body. She had a very natural response to Easter when she should have had a supernatural response. I must admit, as a Christian, a longtime Christian who came to know Christ as a boy, I used to be puzzled why, when you shared the gospel with someone, how Jesus died for their sins and rose from the grave, how they were hesitant to believe the story. They might even say it's an unbelievable story. Someone came back from the dead, not just resuscitated, but resurrected with a new glorious body, never to die again? That's hard to believe. And when Mary Magdalene saw the empty tomb, she found it hard to believe the story of Easter. So she ran to two of Jesus' best friends, Peter and John, and she runs to them, and they find the story of Easter unbelievable at first as well. As we continue in our passage in John 20, verse 3, Peter therefore went forth, and the other disciple, that's John, and they were going to the tomb, and the two were running. They're running to the tomb. And the other disciple, that's John, who's being humble here, ran ahead faster than Peter. He got there first and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. He's outside the tomb. He's looking. It's empty, but the grave clothes are there. Simon Peter, therefore, who finally catches up, probably out of breath, came following him, but he burst into the tomb. And he beheld the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then entered in, therefore, the other disciple, John also, who had first come to the tomb, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. The story seemed unbelievable. It was hard for them to believe. It took time for the truth to set in, even though they had the scripture. But they finally began to believe the story when they had the experience in the empty tomb. Why did it take time for them to believe? Because it's a somewhat unbelievable story. Well, later that day, according to the gospel writer of Luke, two of Jesus' other disciples, people that had followed him, were walking from Jerusalem. They were sad and dejected because Jesus had been crucified. And they're talking together on this road to Emmaus where they lived. And as they're walking, who should show up but the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ? And yet, these two disciples still don't believe the Easter story. Let's pick it up in Luke chapter 24. We're going to pick up the story in the middle of the story in verse 21. And as they're talking to the resurrected Jesus about the fact that they're discouraged that Jesus has been crucified. In verse 21, they say, we were hoping, past tense, we've lost our hope. We were hoping, we're not anymore, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. They've lost their hope. 
Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. They should have said it's the third day. He's risen from the dead, but it's an unbelievable story. They think it's over. They go on to say to Jesus, but also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as a woman also had said, but him they did not see. They should have understood the story, but they didn't. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. They didn't believe the Easter story, even though they'd had testimony, even though they are talking to the resurrected Jesus. Was it not necessary, Jesus says, for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses, the beginning of what we call the Old Testament, and with all the prophets, the rest of what we call the Old Testament, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. He goes through all the Old Testament and explains to them about the Messiah, about himself. It's a bit ironic that here these two disciples of Jesus are walking with none other the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. They are talking with the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ about the Lord Jesus Christ, and they still haven't believed the Easter story. They don't get it. My friend, if you are listening today and you haven't yet believed the Easter story, you're in good company. It's a rather unbelievable story. It's true, but it's really hard to believe. Throughout history, beginning with Jesus' best friends, they had difficulty believing the Easter story at first. It's okay to struggle with the Easter story. It's okay to question and to doubt, but don't stop there. Keep looking into it until you believe, until you accept the Easter story and accept Jesus Christ as who he really is the Savior of the world. The best stories are often the most unbelievable. Well, these two unbelievers, well, their unbelieving disciples invited Jesus to dinner in their home. And finally, their eyes were opened and they realized who he was, the resurrected Jesus Christ. I might point out, if you see the famous painting of this with Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus, you have two men walking with Jesus, two disciples. Often that's how we read the passage. But one fine Christian woman asked her pastor, she said, Pastor, do all Jesus' disciples have beards? (laughs) I went back to the passage. There's no indication these are two men, except in my translation, which says, O foolish men, but men is not in the Greek. In the Greek, it says, O foolish ones. Really, you fools. There's no indication these are two men. In fact, that make, makes more sense that this is a couple, a husband and wife, who have been traveling together because they invite Jesus into their home for a dinner. Husband and wife. We know the husband's name, but not the wife's. And in verse 31, as he comes into this couple's home, Their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus, and he vanished from their sight. Have you recognized Jesus? 
The passage goes on in verse 33. Verse 33, And they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven, those are the eleven disciples, and those who were with them. Keep in mind this is a seven-mile journey each way. They had just walked seven miles to get home. They have dinner with Jesus, and now they walk back seven miles to Jerusalem to see the disciples. And they say in verse 34, the Lord has really risen. I like that. Really risen. Not almost risen. Not sort of risen. But really risen. And has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. And while they were still telling these things, Jesus himself stood in their midst. Verse 37. But... They're still trouble believing the story. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. Instead of believing in Easter, they found it easier to believe in a ghost story than the true story. And Jesus said to them in verse 38, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. And he could be recognized by his hands and feet because of the scars of his crucifixion. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. The Easter story is a hard story to believe. It took time even for the disciples to believe it. For many people, the Easter story is not any more believable than the story of the Easter bunny. And we who believe the story need to be a little bit more patient with those who are taking time to believe it. But take the time. Look into it. Keep hearing testimony after testimony as these early disciples did until you see Jesus in your life. Verse 38, he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, it is I myself. Touch me. His scarred hands proved that he indeed was their rescuer. And those scarred hands are reaching out to you to rescue you to provide for you, to extend his love to you, and to save you, and to bring you to be with him in heaven forever. One evening while walking along Kalakawa Boulevard in Waikiki with some friends after having dinner, we're walking and there are different street performers out there, and then we see this one man who isn't saying a thing, he's just standing straight, quietly, holding a big sign. And on that sign, it read, Body Piercing Saved My Life. I was a little bit puzzled at first, and I looked at the man, and he didn't have any visible body piercings. And then I understood. He's a street evangelist. He was talking of the Lord Jesus Christ, whose body piercings of his hands and his feet and side saves our lives. Body piercing and even scarification have become popular trends in the Western world. Well, Jesus' scars and his piercings are eternal. He 
takes them with him to all eternity. In his resurrected body, he still has the nail-scarred hands. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, the first part of verse 1, God the Father is speaking, and he says, Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. What the Father said figuratively, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, did literally. And I don't think it's too much of a stretch to believe that every time Jesus looks at his nail-scarred hands, he's thinking of you. He's thinking of you. Because Easter is about you. It's about your need to be rescued. There's no need for a Savior unless someone needs to be saved. A number of years ago, a young man in our church, we'll call him Justin, because, well, that's his name. <laughs> Justin was out bodyboarding at Makapu, some big waves out there. And as he's bodyboarding, he notices a young girl with her dad. And they look like they're in trouble. So he paddles over to them, and he says to the man, Are you okay? And the man, in a panicky voice, says, No! And so Justin paddles over and grabs the little girl, puts her on his bodyboard. Then he has the man hold on to the back of his bodyboard, and Justin goes to the front where the leash is, and he holds the leash, and he swims, and he tows the little girl and her daddy safe to shore. And he rescues them. When you are drowning, it's all about you. You truly are the center of attention. You don't need a hero. You don't need a rescuer unless you are in trouble. And you and I have been in trouble. So Easter is about us, not just Jesus. The reason we have Easter is because of you and because of me. Because we need to be rescued. Easter, oddly enough, is one of those times from God's perspective that it's about you. It's not about what God needed. It's about what you need. It's about what I need. We were drowning in our sins and we needed to be rescued. And until you cry out and admit, I need help, you're not going to get the help you need. You see, Easter isn't just one more miracle that Jesus performs. Easter is about the ultimate miracle performed on your behalf so that you can live forever. Jesus has conquered death and removed your sins. It's a totally unbelievable sounding story, but it's absolutely true. The greatest event in all human history is not just about Jesus. It's also about you. Without you, there would be no Easter. Don't misunderstand me. I don't want to rob Jesus of his glory. He gets all the glory. He gets all the thanks. But his decision to die was because of you. And his conquering of the grave is because of you. He did it for you. Easter is about the creator of the universe looking at everything he has made 
and demonstrating that you are the most important thing he ever made. Because Jesus died for you. And he died for me. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Easter tells the story, the true story of your rescuer, a man with permanently scarred hands because he came to rescue you. And he's waiting for you to embrace him with those hands so he can adopt you into his family forever. Have you said yes to Jesus? Reach out with your hands and grab his nail-scarred hands and let Jesus into your life. I'd like to ask you to pray with me. and Even if you're watching on the screen, I'd like you to bow your heads. You don't need to look at me as we pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'd like you to have an intimate moment between you and the Lord. Have you accepted Jesus as your rescuer? It's a yes or no question. You either have or you haven't. You may know that he rescues, but has he rescued you? You may know he's rescued other people, but has he rescued you? You may know other people that have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, but have you... If you want to be rescued by Jesus, you have to cry out to him and say something like, Lord Jesus, save me. With your heads still bowed, your eyes still closed, if you're here and you recognize that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he rose from the grave and he conquered death, if you recognize your need for Jesus in your life, if you desire to be saved and spend eternity with him, just cry out to him and say, Lord Jesus, save me. Cry out, help me, and he will. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have answered every single prayer that has cried out to you, and that that prayer results in eternal salvation. We love you, Lord Jesus. We praise your name. We exalt you. All hail King Jesus. Amen.